Blog Talk Radio.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my god, it talks! Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry! Save the children! Save them! Stay back! I've got mace! Ow! It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
Welcome back to The Balance. Tom Marquez, El Presidente here, 917-889-8516. Make sure you got your Black Rifle Coffee as we get things started off. Uh, I tell you what, Black Rifle Coffee, if you've not tried it, you need to. If you're not, if you haven't joined their club with all the cool people, you need to. In all seriousness, they are a great organization. So when you buy a bag, you give a bag. My friend's son's in the Navy and deployed, and that's all they serve on the ship as far as coffee goes. It's the various different flavors and different kinds of black rifle coffee. Uh, you can get it from the strong to the bold right now, right here with me in the studio. I've got a cup of uh, free uh, free or die, I believe is what it is. I'll have to check that. But they got great merchandise, and, and check it out. I mean, it really is a good organization because when you buy a bag, they give a bag. Uh, to uh, first responders and troops, and, and I tell you what, when whenever you can have a good cup of coffee, it's really really good. Uh, but you know these these guys are first responders and troops; uh, they deserve a cup of coffee. So do your part, buy a bag, give a bag, Black Rifle Coffee. Well, as I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> it's just me today, so we, we're just going to have a little fire. <laughs> Can I, can I see that a little fireside chat, if you will? And, you know, typically what we, we do is we do our home routines. I, I know we're a national show. We're all over. Uh, obviously, I'm an IU guy, IU alumni. So, And then Rick is uh, a Notre Dame guy. And then uh, Adam, who's sick, is a, an Ohio State guy. So we cover the gamut, uh, but I will be covering the gamut today. Now, here's a really interesting game, and we'll start with IU. It's a, well, one is a very good game for both teams to, to to be a part of but man you know I think I'm, I'm done harping on IU in Iowa I mean that is so far in the past I mean I, I don't ever want to hear that story about the that game again because what I'll tell you what it was a huge embarrassment for the team and you know all the way down to the misspelling names of the jersey that was just week one was just one that we want to get rid of and well, certainly, uh, last week, Indiana got things back on track, beating uh, the F- FCS foe, Idaho, 56-14. Again, we, we think about Idaho. It's Idaho. Uh, but the opening weekend, 34 loss to Iowa, was not how Tom Allen wanted to start the 2021 season. That much I can assure you of 100% of the time. So he's been trying to keep the team motivated and positive and uplifting. But – uh, being a top 10 Cincinnati team, that's today. That's the goal today. That's what has to happen. Indiana revolves around quarterback Penix. Now, he got a scolding and a tongue lashing from me. If it was me in week one, I'd be looking for another quarterback. That's how bad Penix embarrassed the Indiana organization. He really struggled in the opener. Uh, I mean, interception. I, I could just go in into, you know, well, a couple of those interceptions were not his fault. The performance was a telling sign of how Penix is struggling and has to get his mind back in the game. So now he has to face another elite team on today uh, with potentially the best cornerback in college football. If Penix is on the top of his game and healthy, as we remember, he had a season-ending uh, tear 
<clears throat> last November. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Uh, but he has to be on top of his game. So enough of Penix. He's the quarterback. He needs to get his head out of where the sun don't shine and focus on the Bearcats. The Hoosiers defense, defense, again, a lot of work needs to be done there. Again, I keep going back to Iowa. Uh, I mean, because we had Idaho last week, and I I don't even mean to keep making fun of Idaho. So, because, you know, you know, hey, we're Indiana. Do we really have any room to say anything about a team called Idaho? But, you know, the Hoosiers are great on on the blitz, and and they've got to make that happen. So, I mean, you know what surprises me? I, I haven't the last, I haven't seen the line in a in a in a while yet, but I think they're only a three point line there. Uh, so I think this game is going to be a defensive slugfest. Uh, you know, let's take a look at the Bearcats. I mean, certainly uh, their offense revolves around their quarterback Desmond Ryder. Ryder has been really effective uh, through his first two games of 2021 throwing 11.4 yards per attempt in six touchdowns against Miami, Ohio, Miami, Ohio, and Murray State. However, Ritter is a writer. Maybe I'm saying that wrong. Ritter, Ritter, uh, has historically had had one of the weakest in his games uh, here, here recently. So we'll see how that plays out, you know, and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go with IU on this one. I'm an IU guy. Two, I'm an IU guy. Three, I'm an IU guy. But there's another fourth reason there is that they really do have the ability to beat Cincinnati and get back on the map here. And really, when that happens, I'm going to, I'm going to speak it. They say if you speak it, it'll happen. Uh, IU is going to get a huge win against Cincinnati. Uh, maybe not in score-wise, huge-wise, but a win is a win, and that is a win that we need. Uh, to get uh, back on track. So let's talk a little bit about Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame and Purdue. Now, if Rick was on here, and certainly I'll put on my uh, Rick hat the best I can. Uh, but uh, only Rick can do what he does, and what he does, he does well. And one of the things he does do is be able to break down Notre Dame uh, and help us get ready for the upcoming game. Uh, <laughs> i tell you what. We look at Notre Dame in the last two games, back-to-back nail-biting victories. Yes, I did say victory. <laughs> I mean, at one at one point, uh, Coach Kelly was saying uh, he wanted the team executed. <laughs> not literally. Okay, not literally. You know, that's kind of an inside joke. Uh, after that game against Florida State, he made a poor a humor talking about execution, and he thinks he says, well, maybe they all need to be executed. Uh, and it was on the national uh, TV post-game uh, stuff. And so that kind of uh, dominated the headlines there uh, for a, a little bit. But, again, back-to-back uh, victories that weren't pretty victories. <clears throat> now, let's face it, Purdue, again, Purdue is huge in the Big Ten. Uh, it's certainly a, a team to contend with. They have experience. <clears throat> I, I, I tell you, one of the things you got to look at is, is is Jack Cohen. I, I mean, we've got to take some some thoughts about that. And, and I wish that I had Rick here because, like I said, Rick does everything that Rick does. But 
You know, I think this is going to be a huge game. And and to to be honest, I didn't break this game down as maybe I should have. I'm a bad bad host. Uh, <laughs> I usually rely Notre Dame uh, breakdown for Rick. So Rick, if you're listening to me. Uh, shame, shame, shame for all you Game of Thrones fans, uh, which I was a huge Game of Thrones fan. I was just talking about this yesterday. You know, I'll, maybe I want to go back and, and rewatch those seasons, but why well, was not a fan of how they, they ended uh, the Game of Thrones mega dynasty, if you will. But I'll tell you what, again, Notre Dame's got the challenge uh, against them against Purdue, but I think, you know, just uh, – Again, positive thinking uh, for for Notre Dame, and you know, again, can I say again, the IU guy and Purdue is don't mix that coil of water. Okay, I'll stop with the IU and Purdue stuff. Uh, but Notre Dame's got a very, very good opportunity here to get one of those pretty wins, one of those good wins that that they that they can uh, typically we're used to seeing them do. Uh, and but so far, when we look at statistics and we put them side by side. Notre Dame has allowed 396 rushing yards so far in 2021, uh, and Purdue has allowed 272 uh, yards uh, allowed per game. Uh, so, but when we look at it, when we look at touchdowns, which really that's what matters, uh, Notre Dame has five touchdowns uh, for a ranking of uh, 102nd. And, and Purdue has two touchdowns for a ranking of 92. So we could see how this game could go either way. Notre Dame does not need to get beat uh, by Purdue. So we'll just let it lie at that where sleeping dogs lie. And we'll pick up Notre Dame next week. Make sure you follow us on social media because we will be updating all of the action with all the, the games uh, going on. <clears throat> so let's let's kind of get into this week's. College football uh, week three and what's going on and, and who to look for and just kind of a rundown. Scott Lamb also helps us with the uh, um, the betting side of things. And I've been corrected. I'm drinking Freedom Fuel on Black Rifle Coffee. Apologize for that. So I move things around. <laughs> But uh, so a lot of good games going on, and we're still in the aspect of saying, okay, who's going to be in the top 25? We're seeing that move move around quite a bit. I mean, was you know, let's go, let's go let's talk a little bit about Ohio State in last week. Oregon is one of the biggest stories of all in all of college football uh, now. It is it's really occupying the entire news cycle behind maybe Alabama and Georgia checking in at number three, um, but. The 13th spot in our in the comprehensive rankings. I don't know if you follow these uh, uh, FBS teams or the rankings, uh, but you can find other movers uh, in the uh, moving around. But in fact, the Ducks slid into the Ohio State occupied spot prior to the loss. Through the Buckeyes, fell just five spots to number eight. That was a huge loss. To Ohio State, and I was talking with some other people, and Rick and Adam, I, and I think you know that I, I sent you a text. There's a very good real possibility, a very good real possibility that we saw Ohio State and Notre Dame just choke away their playoff uh, scenarios. And you say you're crazy, Tom. It's only week three. What's week? 
it was week two. Uh, we're going into week three. Well, here's the thing. And there's a little group of people, a little good boys club, as I like to call them, uh, called the committee. And we've moved the committee to six uh, – I mean, I mean, we've moved the, the playoffs to six teams. So you would think in theory, okay, that's not – in an overall scenario, when it comes to Ohio State, that's not going to come into play. When, one of the things they look at is strength of schedule. The, the, the thing in the uh, side of uh, Notre Dame is they're undefeated. And when you get beat by Oregon and you're a team that's supposed to be as good as Ohio State, the committee is going to look at that in not such a good light and in not such a good favor. So I just, I just feel like that, you know, there might be some situations there that we that we, we look at when it comes to the um, the overall committee and playoffs uh, scenario. Uh, so nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six is our digits. Uh, again, talking about the SCS power rankings, Jacksonville State pulled off the upset uh, weekend against Florida State. Uh, so. Here's kind of where we've got the power rankings in the FCC uh, power rankings. Again, doesn't necessarily mean that they are uh, uh, top 25 teams, just kind of where we're at in the power rankings. Sam Houston at 2-0. and uh, While the offense can score against anybody, it's been, uh, it's been the Bearcats defense uh, that have been the real story and only given up 15 points per game. South Dakota State losing running back Isaiah Davis for eight weeks will be a tough blow to the run game, uh, but the Jackrabbits uh, have more in depth there to be okay. Montana, 2-0 two, two as well. In week one, it was the defense. Last week, it was the offense. The Grizzlies are such a complete team. Keep your eyes on Montana. Uh, James Madison, uh, again, if Rick was here, he would be publicly shaming me, saying that I'm talking about teams like James Madison. Uh, <laughs> we, we could go... Uh, to Nebraska football, we'll go there. We could, we could talk about that. North Dakota State, obviously, uh, I believe that's where um, that's where um, uh, brain fart now. Anyway, it'll come back to me. Uh, but that's where he, where he went to uh, college was North Dakota State. So 917-898516 is our digits. So North Dakota State, that's where we left off at. Sorry, I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, Quin- Quincy uh, Patterson doesn't have much to throw to, but when he does, he's extremely efficient and effective. Uh, so North Dakota State, they're at number five. Number six, Montana State. The Bobcats made light work of Drake, not the certified lover boy of the Bulldogs in the Pioneer League. And number seven in the power rankings is Eastern Washington. And um, so we'll, we'll see how all that, that plays out. Again, that's just where, where we're at as far as, you know, as far as uh, power rankings go.
917-889-8516 is our digits, and don't you just love it when too many windows open up at one time. Let's talk a little bit about some of the games to watch today. These are some of the games that we would have had on our list to go through and break down and get the, the numbers. Number 16, Coastal Carolina at Buffalo. Uh, Coastal Carolina's 2-0, Buffalo 1-1. One one. Uh, again, we already talked about this game, but this is a, much, a must-watch game. Number 8, Cincinnati 2-0. At Indiana, one and one. Indiana needs to be a big win on at noon. You can catch that on ESPN. And the spread now is at four in favor of the Bearcats. Stay away, stay away from that. If you're going to be betting the game, but I can tell you what, if you're betting the cover, go ahead and, and put some money there in your DraftKings app. There, Michigan State, two and zero oh, at Miami, Florida, one and one. Uh, it, it, it's hard to believe that in 2015, the Michigan State was the last time they started at 3-0. and uh, But Miami has been less than stellar early on, so this could bode well uh, for Michigan State. Certainly, they've got the, the spread to win at 6.5. Northern Illinois, Adam would like at, as Adam would like to say, that big outhouse up north or that team up north, uh, number 25, Michigan. Again, we're looking at Jim Harbaugh. We're on the Jim Harbaugh watch. Uh, so I, I don't think that, that this is the start Michigan fans had hoped for in 2021. Uh, the Wolverines outscored Western Michigan and Washington 78-24. They've yet to commit a turnover and have a pair of potent running backs uh, in Blake Corum and Hassan Hasek. So we'll see what happens. Certainly a lot of people think in Northern Illinois is a good pick here on this. Again, all eyes are on Jim Harbaugh. If he can't get things going, he's going to take his khaki pants and go somewhere else. Uh, and I don't know, maybe maybe he'll end up at uh, uh, USC. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that maybe next week on if they've got a coach or they're getting closer and bringing down uh, a, a new head coach uh, for their, their team at USC. I know a lot of people that I work with, colleagues and stuff, are USC fans, and we're glad to see that coaching change happen. Uh, Rick uh, seemed to like uh, the, the coach there at, at USC because they can never beat, uh, under that coach, they can never beat Notre Dame. Another game to watch, huge game, Nebraska, to, uh, which is 2-1 at number three, Oklahoma, 2-0. That is one of the games of the week. Uh this is a, a re, return of a storied rivalry for the first time since 2010. It's getting much attention this week, but the reality is unlikely to be to be a close contest. Yes, passion, passion and pride uh, will will come into play uh, with you know the Cornhuskers, uh, but uh, you know Oklahoma. I think it's just too strong of a team. I think we got as much as I'd like to see Nebraska win and a big win for the Big Ten. I'm always rooting for the Big Ten in the background. Uh, you know that's that's huge, but uh, I just think that Oklahoma's got a little bit more gas in the tank, if you will. Uh, the other game we're also uh, following for you today is New Mexico at Texas A&M. That's noon on the SEC Network. The Aggies are undefeated and ranked in the top ten, but a broken leg has quarterback Haynes King out indefinitely, meaning the focus turns back up to Zach uh, Kozota, uh, who threw 183 yards and tossed uh, the game-winning touchdown for Isaiah Spiller in the fourth quarter of last weekend's 10-7 win over Colorado and Denver. However, 
Texas A&M should still be in good shape uh, versus New Mexico, which has dropped dropped 22 in a row against a top 25 opponent. So uh, certainly we'll, we'll see about this and looking for New Mexico to pull out a big win there. Virginia Tech at West Virginia. This is a real good game for West Virginia to win. This could be one of the most entertaining games of the week if and and if uh, Virginia Tech is able to start 3-0 for the first time since 2017. The Hokies might just be for real this year. They've allowed 24 points and recorded nine sacks and four interceptions. West Virginia, however, is riding a six-game winning streak home where it's also won 18 in a row in a non-conference opponent's the Mountaineers running back, Letty Brown, ranks uh, the national leaders in touchdowns. Look for West Virginia to do that. We talked about the Purdue-Notre Dame game. Again, I still look for good things for Notre Dame on this. I think the spread on this is seven. Again, hooking up for the first time since 2014. Uh, and the, the Irish have, have won seven straight against their Indiana rivals. However, Purdue fans might have a reason to believe that that slide will be halted because uh, the Boilermakers quarterback, Jack Plummer, uh, 45 of 61, 558 yards, six touchdowns and zero interceptions, is turning some heads. Meanwhile, Notre Dame's suspect offense line has yielded 10 sacks, sacks and paved the way for 197 yards while the team struggled to beat Florida State and Toledo. That's why we said this has got to be a big showing for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame does pull it off. And so, see, even though – even though uh, uh, Rick wasn't here. I'm, I'm still saying that Notre Dame's going to win, and <laughs> we 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 like chaos around here. That's for sure. One more final game, guys, and then we got to wrap it up, put it in the bowl before we go. Get out on the racetrack uh, down in Laguna. Uh, number one, Alabama. Number eleven, Florida, and that's on CBS. Uh, certainly, you always got to look when you look at Alabama. Uh, again, as I've said many times, until somebody tells me something different or shows me something different. Uh, then uh, you got to go with with Alabama. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. And uh, we'll be right back with Tony D for the Tony, I mean, Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast. Also, Steve Wilson, Speedway Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest. Uh, Steve is calling us from uh, Bristol, and we're going to get right into the IndyCar Indy talk as the cars are down in the track in Laguna. We'll be right back, right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. 
I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente. Speaking of fuel, make sure you got some of your Black Rifle coffee. That's what I got, uh, Freedom Fuel. Buy a bag, give a bag. It does a great job uh, for the for veterans and first responders. they got great merchandise and great coffee, Black Rifle coffee. Joining us now, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Tony, let's get into this conversation about IndyCar. Uh, good to have them back on the track. We're going to be talking with Steve Wilson here in just a little bit about uh, NASCAR down in Bristol. But let's start off with the IndyCar. I know you're 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 deep into the IndyCar and what's going on there. So let, first of all, bring us up to speed uh, to where we're at to Laguna, and let's talk about Laguna this weekend, sir. Yeah, so Laguna Sake is one of the craziest tracks there is because it's super fast. There's a lot of elevation changes. And you've got the corkscrew, which is a, a, a quick left down a hill and a quick right. Um, it, 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 it's a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of the drivers like it, uh, the penultimate race of the championship. So you got Alex Pillow coming in leading the points. Um, he's followed by Pato Award. Both those drivers have never actually raced here. Then you've got Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, and Marcus Erickson chasing them down in the points. 
Uh, and, and yesterday in final practice, or in first practice, it was Joseph Newgarden who was fastest. And Colton Herta was second fastest. He won here two years ago back in 2019. You know, let's talk about Paulo. I mean, he is, to me, he's turned a lot of heads this year. Uh, certainly, uh, we, don't, we don't think that he came from nowhere because we, we, we follow the sport. But talk with us a little bit about how uh, Paulo's been able to have so much success here in 2021. Well, we always knew that Pato was going to have a chance to compete and win races if he was put in a good position, and and he hadn't really got that over the last couple of years. And he gets hooked up with Errol McLaren. All of a sudden, it's like okay, things are going to start to click, uh, and he's really taken off. I mean, the engineering there has been great. The pit stops have been incredible, um, and they're a team that, that that certainly can win this championship. The crazy thing about it is, is you've got Pato Award having you know a career year and and in, in contention for the championship. And you got his teammate Felix Rosenquist, who just really struggled all year. So um, it's kind of been a balance for that team of, all right, we're celebrating the guy that is going to possibly win the championship and is winning races, and that's great. But at the end of the day, struggling. So that's a team as a whole that has some great things going, but also has to figure out, you know, how to get both teams up to that championship level. Let's talk a little bit about some of the stables going into uh, the, the race this weekend. Obviously, you always keep an eye on Team Pinsky, but I, I think the biggest eye, at least for this race, very, very experienced in this type of, 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 of track and is very, very experienced in getting wins in these type of tracks, and that's Joseph Newgarden. He drives the number two Hitachi uh, for Team uh, uh, Pinsky Chevrolet. You can never take your eyes off Joseph Newgarden. What, what do we think about him this weekend? Yeah, when I wrote about this yesterday in, in, in my preview going into Laguna Seca, it was, I think Colton Herta wins the race, but I think Joseph Newgarden is a close second and contends throughout the weekend and, and is the guy that makes that move to get closer to tracking down Alex Pillow at the top of the point standings. And, and, and of the five guys that are, are racing for the championship, I thought Newgarden will have the best weekend. So far, so good being fastest in practice yesterday you got qualifying and more coming up today so we'll see if he can keep that momentum going but but yeah i think joseph newgarden is 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 the guy to beat as far as the the five contenders for the championship yeah i know you already mentioned scott dixon and certainly scott dixon's always a thrill to watch fan favorite i I certainly love watching him and he's certainly great to, to talk with uh he's in the number nine pnc bank uh is it Grow up, great Honda of Chip Canassi. So anyway, uh, Chip Canassi, uh, very, very uh, impressed with Chip Canassi across the board on what he's been able to do with his uh, organization this year. Well, yeah, I mean, three of his four cars have won. Uh, you knew that Jimmy Johnson was kind of be a, going to be a learning curve at the age of 45, which he has been. Uh, when you got guys like Chip and Dario Franchitti sitting there going, okay, we're going to help these guys out. It'll be interesting to see how, uh, the engineering meetings work the next two weeks between Alex Pillow, who's the Dixon, who's sitting there in third. Uh, how much do they give each other? How much do they help each other? And how much do they keep off the board, knowing, hey, let's not let's not give them a little bit extra, which would with what we found, uh, let's keep that to ourselves. So it'll be interesting to see how the teammates work out this weekend. And I know we've talked about Colton Herta, but just across the board, what he we've seen him in race after race after race, and he's not so he's not the only second generation. Uh, a team there at Andretti, as we know Andretti's are, and they, they maintain that name. But, but certainly Colton Herta is, is certainly living up to the legacy that, that was passed down to him. 
Yeah, I think it's a California boys type weekend. You know, you've got Colton Herta, who's from California, and you've got um, Alexander Rossi, who's also from California. This is Rossi's home track. Uh, he's a guy that is trying to break out of a slump. Uh, he ran really well last week in Portland, finishing second. Um, I think those are two guys to beat. Colton Hurd is my pick to win it, uh, but I think second will be Joseph Newgarden. I think Rossi will finish on the on the podium as well. So um, definitely some Andretti boys, and we'll see if we'll see if those two drivers that are are, are leaving Ganassi at the end of the year and James Hinchcliffe and Ryan Hunter Ray can uh, finish off the season strong. What do we think about Will Power uh, in the uh, number twelve Horizon Five G Team P- Penske uh, team as well? Will's been up and down. You know, Will's been a guy that uh, has ran well and won the, the GP in Indianapolis a few weeks ago, but he's also finished outside of the top 13 in three of his last four road course races. So um, it's been a very hit-or-miss year. It's kind of been a hit-or-miss last couple of years and really a hit-or-miss, um, you know, career for him. So we'll see if he can hang in there. I know that a guy that you guys like talking to over there on your podcast and follow a lot, and that's Alexander Rossi. Uh, Alexander Rossi, I, I think, has, has had a great season overall. Uh, along with his teammate Ryan Hunter-Ray, uh, who's comp- uh, competing, uh, is completing the 12th and final season in, in the Andretti Autosports uh, number 28 DHL Honda. But Alexander Rossi, uh, what do we and Ryan Hunter-Ray, if you want to throw him in on that as well. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts um, on Alexander Rossi tomorrow and how he's performed this year? Yeah, kind of like I just mentioned, you know, Rossi, the guy who finished second last week, and he's a guy that. Um, is a California kid. This is this is his home track, as I just mentioned. Uh, he's going to like it. Uh, he's going to be up towards the front, and 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 yeah, as I just mentioned, I think he's going to be on the podium right there. Jack Harvey uh, in the number sixty Auto Nations uh, Sirius XM Honda uh, led the the se- the season best at Portland. I'm sorry, finishing fourth as he did in Petersburg. Harvey would love to end his association with Meyer Shank Racing with his first series victory. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is the guy that's going to go to Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, let racing next year and drive that number 30 car. He's been knocking on the door of good runs. The thing with Harvey is he usually qualifies well and then kind of fades. So I think he can finish in the top five today, absolutely. Um, a lot of his sponsors are on the West Coast, so that would be huge for that team, um, knowing that he's leaving. But um, it's it, he's going to have his work cut out for him to be able to get a win. You know, a lot of times we look at Penske and we think that he's done it all, they've done it all, seen it all, been there, done that. But, you know, one of the things that that we're learning, there's one award, one thing that Team Penske has never done in IndyCar competition, and that's have one of their drivers win the Series Rookie of the Year award, uh, award, sorry. Uh, But we look for that to possibly happen and change with Scott McLaughlin. Yeah, I think McLaughlin, uh, he's, I think he's up by about 42 points on Roman Grosjean, who's, who's not ran all the races this year. He's only ran one oval. That was St. Louis. And when you get double points in Indianapolis and you're the only rookie competing for the, the season-long championship, you're more than likely going to be able to wrap it up. Still a very outside chance that, that, that Grosjean wins it. Um, but, yeah, there is also a, a stronger chance that Scott McLaughlin can wrap it up. If not today, it'll certainly happen next week. It's going to be an exciting race down there in Laguna this weekend. Uh, talk with us a little bit about how teams prepare for a track like this, as you mentioned, multiple elevation changes, multiple things, multiple turns. So the, the crew team and the crew chief have to be on their, their toes. How do they prepare their drivers and their teams, if you're the crew chief, uh, in, in, insert team here, uh, to be ready for Laguna? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got to pace yourself. I mean, this is a long race, 90 laps. There is a lot of elevation changes. You're going to, um, you know, it, it is a physically demanding track, and it's one of those tracks where you got to make sure that everything lines up. Um, you know, when, when Colton Herta won two years ago, he led 87 of the 90 laps. There was one yellow for, for three laps. So you're, 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 you got to expect to be going green pretty much the entire way. So um, be really interesting, um, you know, how the strategy plays out if, if it does go full on green, like it did two years ago, back in 2019. Are you ready to pick a champion uh, for 2021 yet? You know, it's, it's, it's tough because you think that the two guys, Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon, who have been there and done that would make a move and be able to to pounce on the two drivers, Pato Award and Alex Pillow, that haven't, you know, been to any of these tracks. And then Pillow comes out and wins at Portland in his very first ride there. So um, I think Pillow is definitely in the driver's seat. Um, if he can get out of here unscathed this weekend. Uh, but, but one runoff for him or a ward or one runoff for any of these guys will, will, will send you to the back. And it's hard to make up those positions at road courses. So you got to be mistake three throughout the week throughout the weekend you don't necessarily have to win if you're Alex Pillow but you really got to keep all four tires on the road and uh, you, you, you're going to have to finish in the top seven to be able to uh, pull away and, and keep this championship lead oh yeah it's a very challenging course we'll see what happens it's gonna be a great race we're going to transition now into some NASCAR talk Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest joins us uh, down in from down in Bristol big race going on down there Tony I know you cover a lot of NASCAR as well so let's uh, merge the two as, as we got news this week in IndyCar and NASCAR are going to be back on the road courses again uh, and there, that we can look for that to swap around uh, from oval to road courses in coming years. Steve, uh, what are your thoughts about NASCAR uh, being on the road course again as we were all were there last uh, this past summer, this past July, whatever it was, day it was, uh, that, that road course tore up the NASCARs. What are your thoughts about them sticking uh, with the road course for 2022, anyway. Well, um, I've I've been more on the fence, uh, or on the other side of the fence of that. You know, NASCAR added too many road courses, and um, I think that's especially true um, now that they go to seven different road courses throughout the season. And um, you know, I, I I'm just not sure what to be honest, to do it, Indy at the end of the day to, to you know, bring the excitement back there. Um, I, I, I know we're not going to – there's no way to bring it back to what we saw when they first went to Indianapolis. You know, I, again, I, I think there needs to be a balance in the amount of road courses that, that, that NASCAR is offering. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think this gets back kind of into the circle of where they were in the 90s and 2000s where they left a lot of short tracks and um, different style tracks and went to 1.5-mile tracks. And 20 years later, they started going away from those 1.5-mile tracks because the fans kind of uh, really just asked them to do so. And, you know, going going forward, I don't know what the answer is, but, um, you know, I, I've I, I think there has to be a balance in the number of short, I mean, in the um, road courses and um, where NASCAR takes away from them at this point. I don't, I don't know, but you know, I've just, I've just particularly never, you know, seen NASCAR as a, as a, as a series that, that, that runs a lot of road courses. And I think that's also especially true at even Indianapolis and, um, 
you know, I again, I just don't know how you fix or change the racing style um, at, 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 you know, Indianapolis, to be honest with you, even, you know, even if a new card, is, which is coming out in 2022, if that would make a difference or not, um, I, I, I just, again, I just think that there's, um, you know, there needs to be a fine balance. Tony, you were there at the track uh, with me as well. We were both there this past. We did see a a, a, a destruction of NASCARs in that road course. Uh, what are your thoughts about them continuing on with the road course? You heard what uh, Steve had to say, and certainly, you know, uh, you follow IndyCar a lot, and, and, you're, and you're at the track a lot. You know that track well. Uh, can can IMS and Doug Bowles, can the crew out there, as smart as they are, can they do something to not create the uh, chaos and, quite frankly, embarrassment for the track when it comes to the road course with NASCAR I'm talking about? I mean, yeah, it wasn't really the, the Speedway's fault that they were kind of going over the middle of the curb. You know, I'll say this. Fans bitch and complain about how boring the Brickyard was and how boring those cars were on the oval, and they stopped showing up, and the racing wasn't fun. So they made a change, and now everybody's complaining about that change because, you know, oh, we had a red flag in the curb. It was good racing. NASCAR and road courses is entertainment. NASCAR is the WWE of racing. I like the road course. I think it would be great to have both, you know, the oval for the, the cup guys and the road course. I don't know if you could do it on the same weekend, but you could certainly have two weekends here in Indianapolis. Um, w- with that being said, what I, what, I, what I said for a year coming out of the pandemic with NASCAR is they're thinking outside of the box. We get so sick and tired of the boring Kansas races and Pocono and Michigan and Atlanta. And it's the same stuff every week. And all you hear is the people sticking up for NASCAR saying, oh, this package this, and oh, this package that, and package and package. And it's pretty much the same racing every week. Now they're switching it up, going to more road courses. Hell, they're going to run the Bush Clash inside of the L.A. Coliseum. Um, You know, they're going to Circuit of the Americas. They're going to Road America. They're going to Gateway next year. They're changing things up. They're making it more entertaining for fans, and yet they're still not happy. So fans are happy with them going to places like Kansas and Atlanta and just seeing the same old racing every week. Then so be it. That's not how you continue <laughs> to grow. That's, that's not how you get the new generation in. you got to have some entertainment factor. And NASCAR is the one series as a whole with all three series that you can beat and bang off of each other. And that bodes well at road courses. So um, I like it. I like the changes. Uh, I would like to see them back on the oval, but fans complained about it at IMS and stopped showing up. So they changed it. You know, I couldn't agree more. You can never make all the fans happy all the time. But, Tony, you make a very valid point. Uh, for for years, we heard about NASCAR uh, in the race being boring in the Oval course. But one thing that wasn't boring in an Oval last night was Bristol. And uh, as we mentioned, that, that was the w- as Tony mentioned, Steve, that, that was the WWE. Uh, I mean, that, that NASCAR is the WWE of racing, if you will. Great race last night. Take us back there last night. Walk us through all the action as as you saw it there in Bristol. Yeah, it definitely was a a, a crazy race, and you know that's you know this short track beating and banging is you know something that NASCAR fans have asked for for a long time, and 
uh, you know, it, it, it gets back and harkens to the days of, you know, where a lot of fans started watching racing at, especially in NASCAR when it comes to, to stock cars. And, you know, Bristol has, um, you know, made those changes uh, over the years where they, um, you know, that that we didn't see a tradi- what we considered a traditional race where a lot of beating and banging and, you know, uh, hurt feelings and things like that. And, um, you know, I have to give it to, to SMI and everybody over there that they, they've worked on Bristol over the years to, to get it back to a point to, to where we really, you know, see, uh, you know, what we saw last night in a, an exciting race all the way down to the end. And, uh, you know, congratulations to um, uh, A.J. Allmendinger, who had really fought, um, you know, all night long to to make it um, to, to um, you know, keep up with uh, Austin Centric, who he was battling for for the regular season title. And at the end of the day, the two of them went at it and uh, crossed the finish line, beating and banging. And A.J. Allmendinger not only won the race, but won the, season, uh, the regular season title um, for the Xfinity Series. Tony, I know you're very familiar with A.J. Allmendinger here in Indianapolis. Uh, talk with us about him being able to, to capture that Xfinity title and what a huge win that is for him in his resume in racing. I mean, you know, Bristol just doesn't disappoint, and it was it was a race that was good throughout last night, and then you come down, and, and they're beating, banging, and they take the white flag, and it looks like Allmendinger is falling back to third, not going to have a chance. He slides back through. Cendrick goes for it kind of goes full Dale Earnhardt on Terry Labonte mode and puts him into the wall. Um, and you could tell in that post-race interview that Almondinger was, 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 was really wanting to celebrate the win after being released from the infield care center, but, but was also pretty ticked off at, at how Austin Cindric drove him. So it was a great race. Um, Bristol never disappoints. And again, it was, an, it was a level of, of entertainment that I think fans like it. I think we'll see that again tonight because, You've got a lot of drivers that need to make the moves to, to continue on the right pace and stay inside of the playoffs. Absolutely. And let's talk about the, the playoff standings as we know it. Uh, Steve, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast joining us also to talk some IndyCar with us. Uh, but, uh, Steve, you're down there. You're down there in Bristol. It's getting down to it. The, the playoffs are on, and here we go. And we get all eyes are on uh, Martin Truex Jr., uh, Denny Hamlin, but my eyes are on Kyle Larson. And if he could pull off a championship this year, we've talked about it here on the show uh, a few times. What a great feel-good story that would be, a comeback story it would be for a just an absolute beast on the track for Kyle Larson. I believe he sets them third right now. Uh, but as you look at the playoff standings going into tonight, uh, what are your thoughts and, and uh, who's, who's in and who's out, if you will? Yeah, you know, at the end, at the end, at the end of the line, as, as I'm looking at, that there'll probably be two Hendrick drivers that are just going to be out unless they can really pull off something tonight. Um, you know, they're they're really not that far behind, but at the but you know, there's a lot of great drivers in front of them, and those two drivers are you know uh, Alex Bowman and uh, William Byron. Um, those those two, um, you know, uh, going back to Darlington, Byron had an issue there, and. Uh, you know, then, then you know, Bowman has um, not been successful in the first two races already as it is. Um, but, you know, you also have Michael McDowell that's underneath the cut line. And, you know, while it's really new kind of surprise, we always kind of knew that with them, you know, as front, uh, front row motorsports um, being a little bit more underfunded than other 
other teams out there that, you know, them coming into these, these events, um, you know, with these powerhouse teams, it was going to be hard for them really to, to go up there um, and, and uh, put up the numbers that they would need in the first couple of events um, because they just don't traditionally run up at the front of the, the pack and put up the numbers. So, um, you know, those, those are at least, I think, three drivers that will be out at the end of the night tonight. And, uh, you know, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., all three of them have already clinched either by wins or points. So, you know, you, you've, you've already got them moving on. And, you know, Kyle Larson this year has won five, five times already and he, he's he's really just brought back a redemption of of him and uh him being in the in the sport and being back in these cars and uh, rick hendrick made a, a, a you know at the end of the day made not only just a good sound business decision but i think he just made a decision that he uh felt comfortable with that you know carl larson had had done the things that he needed to do to get back in the cars and, and he gave him that shot um and it's definitely worked out very well and carl larson uh you know, uh, all the way this deep into the playoffs that continues to lead the, the points championship, even though that Hamlin and Truex have won behind him. Um, they're second and third at this point, and they've won. Um, so, you know, I, I think at this point it really becomes Kyle Larson's game to lose. And and I I totally agree with you, and I, and I hope you're totally right on that. Tony, uh, the Kyle Larson story, we've talked about it before, you and I have, uh, but it's just a great story for him to, to come out with a championship. What are you looking for tonight in the playoff uh, as far as the playoff standings? Who are you looking to, to move up, to move down? I mean, as you mentioned earlier, Bristol never disappoints. So what are we going to see tonight? Yeah, I mean, sparks will fly. I mean, you've got a lot of guys, as Steve mentioned, trying to, to, to break through, and you've got a lot of guys that are right there. Um, you know, as he mentioned, you kind of knew going into the playoffs that, you know, like Michael McDowell wasn't going to contend. Yeah, he got that awesome Daytona 500 win. That was kind of like their championship. But, um, you know, Larson is a guy that I think is going to be tough to beat um, throughout this entire playoff. Bristol's tough, though. Bristol's a crapshoot, as we know. You know, Martin Truex on the pole, as you mentioned. But, you know, you, you've got some guys that are right there, like Christopher Bell, Kurt Busch, that are going to be in contention tonight that I think run very well. Um, you know, Kurt starts back in 15th. But a guy that I'm going to have my eye on is, is, is right there in row three next to Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell. This is one of those short tracks that he's really good at. It might be one of his best opportunities to win inside of the playoffs. So look for these guys, you know, if there's a late race restart and the leaders come to pit road, maybe they stay out. Or if the leaders stay out, maybe they come to pit road with fresh tires and see if they can move their way up. So, um, you know, it, it'll be a crapshoot towards the end. That's for sure. in tonight's uh, night race down at Bristol. All right, guys, we got time for one more question. I'm going to ask you both the same question, and it's the same question I ask uh, Tony in the IndyCar segment. Tony, are you ready to pick a champion for NASCAR for 2021? No. Um, you know, just because you still got to go through Talladega, you still got to get through the Roval. I mean, anything can happen. Um, if I had the pick, Kyle Larson, just because he's been hot and he's been able to prove that he can run at a lot of different tracks, Denny Hamlin's finally starting to find his legging after winning at Darlington. Um, but, again, he's never won a championship. Neither has Kyle Larson, I get that. But Denny has seemed to just be so close and not been able to get it done. There's been some other off-the-racetrack off the kind of controversy that's came up. So, um, I just think Larson is so dialed in it's going to be tough to beat him. 
Uh, Steve, same question to you. Are you ready to pick a NASCAR champion for 2021? No, I'm not ready to do that yet. I, I think there's too many factors coming coming up uh, over these next uh, six or seven weeks um, as we go through the next two rounds of cutoffs that are, uh, you know, it's going to make or break some of these drivers. And just like we saw at uh, Darlington where uh, coming to the first race of, of the playoffs and a lot of playoff drivers just had issues right off the bat. And then you had playoff drivers last week uh, at, uh, and then again at Richmond where several playoff drivers had issues throughout the race. So um, there's a lot of racing still left to go, and I think, uh, you know, anything can happen in these and, and really put you out of uh, put you out of contention. Uh, uh, Vega is definitely one of those that, that could do that, but there there's also Martinsville, the very last cutoff race before they go into Phoenix, too, where another short track beating and banging, and, you know, it's tough to get around that place. So, you know, if you get stuck or marred a lap or down or, you know, get a penalty, on pit road uh, and you're one or two points out from position you know that that's really can dampen your day so I think there's just too much racing at this point to, to try and uh, you know make a pick helping us with racing today has been Steve Wilson and Tony Donahue Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast awesome podcast check it out we'll make sure that it's up on on our Twitter as well but Tony what are you guys working on this week for the pod yeah, we've got a preview up right now. We're just kind of breaking down what could happen to Laguna Seca, where your best bets are, and uh, who's going to end up uh, walking out of here with a, with a better chance at the championship. All right, Tony, where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Yep, the Tony D Podcast, Tony D Podcast, can be found wherever you get your podcast, and uh, TonyDND.com. All right, buddy, we, we appreciate you joining us. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast joins us to help us break down some IndyCar. Steve Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR uh, contributor. Uh, what's what's going on with you? I know you're down there in Bristol. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Uh, well, we will have a breakdown later tonight of who's in, who's out, and follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. And we'll make sure we get as much stuff as we as you get up on our social media as well. Uh, you have a good uh, weekend uh, there, sir. Enjoy your time down there in Bristol. Thanks. Thank you. Steve Wilson uh, joined us. And we are wrapping things up here, and we're getting ready to go into our final quarter. Ed Kratz, B writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, joins us next to break down week two of the NFL. Quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and her cherry coke pen. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by a barbed wire fence. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the vents. We were Jesus, Sammy, blue jean baby, born in the USA. Trailer park truck stop, fade a little map dot, New York to L.A. We were teenage dreaming, front seat leaning, baby, come give me a kiss. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone, uptown, down home, American kids. 
church parking lot trying not to get caught. Take her home and give her your jacket. Making it to second base but saying you went all the way Monday afternoon at practice. Sister's got a boyfriend, daddy doesn't lie. Now he's sitting out back 30-30 in his lap in the blue bug dapper life. We were Jesus to save me, blue jean baby, born in the USA. Trailer park truck stop, fade a little map, dodge New York to L.A. We were teenage dreaming, frosty leaning, baby come give me a kiss. Put me on the cover of the roller I can. Can you hear me? Yeah. Here, we're rolling all along, and then all of a sudden, you know how the power just sometimes just decides it wants to flick just enough to knock everything off and reboot? That's exactly what happened here. Now, the why, I have does, no idea my, why. My, my body does that sometimes, too. You know, I'm getting older. <laughs> you know, sometimes it just stops working, that. and then i gotta got to reboot, you know? <laughs> Yeah, sometimes that's all, that's all you can do. Well, hey, Chris, be right for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com and our official uh, NFL contributor uh, joining us as we break down uh, government into week two. Uh, so, you know, again, only week one, and the good thing is we all get to say we've got 16 games ahead of us, right? Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles, man, oh, man, what a great win it was down in Atlanta. I have to admit, I was pretty excited for you guys as well. And and honestly, I'll let you break it down there, but it just seemed like Atlanta just decided they didn't realize that football had actually started back up again. Maybe they thought they were still playing in the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, two, two stats to start with there. You know, the Eagles were one of two teams that didn't score at least 30 points last year. Uh, the other one being the New York Jets. And, you know, here they got that monkey off their back early in game one, which was really surprising that they were able to, you know, put up put up 32 uh, points, no matter who you're playing. 
Uh, and the second thing is is that um, the Eagles never had a 26-point win on the road in five years under Doug Peterson. So, you know, usually they're sweating it out. Uh, but this was a blowout, you know. I mean, they had a 15-6 ha- uh, lead at halftime, and they just kept adding on, and their defense kept the Falcons out of the end zone. Now, you know, Arthur Smith is a new head coach in Atlanta, just like Nick Sirianni obviously is here in Philadelphia, where, you know, he came over from the Colts after three years as the OC there. Uh, and the Eagles interviewed Arthur Smith. He was one of the coaches that they sat down and talked to for their job opening before they hired Sirianni. But, you know, on Sunday, it, Sirianni ran circles around Smith. And, you know, we'll see if Atlanta can, can kind of right the ship. Uh, this week. I mean, it's going to be a tough game for them. I believe they're playing Tampa. Um, So it doesn't get any easier for them. Meanwhile, the Eagles play the 49ers. It's going to be a step up in competition. Uh, We'll see how they handle the challenge. It's the Eagles home opener Sunday. It's going to be a full house at Lincoln Financial Field, about 70,000, first time since 2019. So uh, a lot of excitement around the Eagles this week, that's for sure. I think I lost you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I think. Yeah, okay, we're back. Okay, I was like, what's going on? I, I was saying, did you ever watch Good Morning uh, Football? I did not. No, this week. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. any week, anytime. They've got a segment that says Morning Wake Up Call, and you guys were featured on the Morning Wake Up Call, which basically means, hey, you know, uh, th- this team is was good. They had a great win, but uh, wake up because. Uh, San Francisco is coming to town. Uh, I rooted for San Francisco last week as well in my elimination betting challenge. I still haven't lost any money on that part, so I moved forward in the elimination challenge or bracket challenge there or whatever they call it. Uh, so basically you pick – it's $50 to get in. You, you, you pick a team to win, and if they lose, you're out. If they, if they win, you keep going, and you can't pick the same teams twice. So I went with San Francisco last week. I'm going with Seattle this week. But – Uh, That said, San Francisco is a very, very good team this year. Uh, What are your thoughts as you guys get ready uh, for the the San Francisco 49ers this weekend? Uh, Tomorrow should be a good, good, good game. And as you mentioned, that home field advantage there in Philadelphia is, well, something else. So uh, (laughs) what's going on there in the Colts? uh, I mean, Colts camp. Yeah, I have them on my mind, too. Trust me on that. Um, (laughs) We'll get there. We'll, we'll, We'll get to the Colts. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. So what's what's uh, what's going on with the Eagles and how they preparing for the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you know, look, you're right. The 49ers are a step up this week. I mean, I think to me the matchup, the key matchup is, you know, the the 49ers are very good on the defensive front, and the Eagles are very good with their offensive line. So, you know, you want to keep Jalen Hurts in rhythm. Uh, you know, Nick Sirianni did a really good job with that last week. Uh, you want to keep him clean, obviously, but, you know, Nick Bosa on one side and D Ford on the other, they'll have other ideas. And, you know, Jordan Milata is the left tackle, uh, just was anointed that uh, big contract extension uh, 24 hours before they opened up in Atlanta. Uh, he'll probably be matched up against Bosa. That's going to be a real good battle. And then D Ford against Lane Johnson. I mean, these are, these are uh, guys that the Eagles are going to have to block if they want to uh, find a way to move the football for the 49ers, they have two pretty big injuries. You know, Jason Verrett, their cornerback, is out for the year. That's a big loss. I think the Eagles can exploit uh, the secondary. Uh, and and they also uh, had another guy that won't play, Raheem Mostert, the uh, running back. He's out for maybe half the season. 
Uh, but it, does, it never seems to matter who's running the ball for the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan's scheme is so very good uh, at the, at, at, in the run game. And, you know, last week we saw Elijah Mitchell, a rookie sixth-round pick from Louisiana, rush for over 100 yards. So, you know, even though the names and the faces change, the 49ers never really seem to miss a beat in the run game. So, you know, just as it is important for the Eagles O-line to block this defensive front for the Niners, it's just as important for the Eagles D-line to find a way to stop the run game because that's kind of what makes it go. You know, look, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. He's an average quarterback. He's no great shakes. He's not, you know, he hasn't been in the league 14 years like Matt Ryan or uh, anything like that. So, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't really scare anybody. So if you shut this running game down, then you make Garoppolo try to beat. I know he had a good game last week in their win over the Lions. And then you mix in a little Trey Lance. That could be problematic. But it all starts with stopping the run, as it usually does, but even more so this week for the Eagles. Well, let's talk about some of the games in week one. Obviously, we know we're going to talk about the Colts. So let's go ahead and start there. I tell yeah. you what, a real disappointment. And, and here's the thing. I, I put no, no blame. Maybe a, a few things you could say that Carson Wentz did butter. I put no blame on Carson Wentz for the loss. Uh, to Seattle at home in our home opener. Absolute embarrassment on both the defensive and the offensive side. I mean, it doesn't matter how good of a quarterback, if you can't stand up for more than a half of a second after the ball is snapped, there's something wrong uh, with the blind side being protected. There's something wrong with that O-line. And, you know, the defense just, you know, they just look terrible as well. So you can't put this loss on. And I, I hate when – when fan, not just coach fans anywhere, they they immediately say, okay, let's just go after the quarterback because it's always their fault. It's, there, there was uh, issues with the uh, not liking uh, what the plays that Coach Reich was was making. At the end of the day, this was a team loss. It wasn't a Carson loss, and it wasn't a Frank Reich loss. It was a Colts loss overall. Yes, Carson Wentz is part of the team. He's the quarterback of the team. That's why he gets paid the big bucks to carry that heavy weight. But, I mean, I don't know if you've had a chance to go back and look at that game or look at the highlights of that game. But, you know, Carson just can't, couldn't stay on his feet. And, and we know how prone he is to injury. If that continues, we're going to be in another situation without Carson Wentz uh, being our quarterback. Go ahead. I went off on a tangent there. I'll, I'll get off my throat <laughs> Well, hey, in Philadelphia, Eagles fans are rooting for Carson Wentz to stay healthy because they get the number one pick of the Colts next year if he plays, you know, 70 or 75% of the snaps over there. So, yeah, you know, everybody here is rooting for Carson to stay healthy. Uh, but you're right. If yeah. He keeps uh, having the run for his life. And, uh, you know, again, fumbles were a problem. I think he had another fumble in that game. That was a huge issue in Philadelphia, his ball security. Uh, not real good in that in that regard, but um, yeah, you can't pin this on on Carson for sure. I mean, I thought he had a pretty productive game or pretty efficient game. I I think a big part was the defense. I mean, you know, you give up what a 69 or 70 yard touchdown pass at the end of the first half to go down 21 yeah. to 10. Uh, bad. That's bad. Uh, you give up 140 yards rushing on the ground. Very bad. I mean, you have to do a better job of stopping the run. Russell Wilson only had to throw the ball 23 times. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty low amount in the NFL today. Uh, and yet they were still able to put up, you know, whatever into the twenties uh, point wise. So uh, just two bad things, not stopping the rush, the big play, you can't give up a big play really at any point in the game, but if you're going to do it, you don't want to do it with a minute, something left in the first half uh, to, to, you know, give all the momentum to the Seahawks. So, 
that those are bad. That's a bad trend. And then you mentioned the line. I mean, who who's playing left tackle over there? I mean, the, the Colts did not address that position effectively. I don't think in the off season. Um, they had a chance to grab somebody, and they went with I think Quiddy Pay in the first round, who I think is questionable this week. Um, it's it's going to be a tough game again with the Rams. And here, this is your second straight home game for the Colts. And yeah, you, you got to win your home games. And here you are, zero and one already. You're zero and one at home. You have an opponent in the Rams who, you know, just obliterated the Bears on Sunday Night Football. And they're not going to be an easy out. And then, you know, I was looking ahead at their schedule, Tom, and it doesn't get any easier for them. You know, you have the Ravens in there. It does not get any easier at all. You have the 49ers. You have, I think, the Dolphins. I mean, you got a tough stretch here, and you don't want to be sitting there at, you know, two and five after, you know, coming up on the almost the midway point of the season. But you got to figure out a way to stop the run. You have to figure out a way to protect up front with the offensive line. Uh, and if they can't do that, you could be looking at a, at a really bad start here. Absolutely. And, you know, we've got to figure out a way to stop Matthew Stafford and his entire offensive line. Matthew Stafford is a very, very good quarterback, capable quarterback. Again, somebody who's making the big bucks. Uh, you expect him to come in and perform. So how does the uh, Colts prepare for the Rams, or how do the Rams prepare for the Colts, for that matter? Yeah, well, uh Listen, I mean, the Rams have a lot of weapons. You know, you mentioned Matt Stafford. He's going to be the kind of the conductor of the band there with, you know, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And, you know, they've got some dangerous guys in the run game. And, uh, gosh, you know, I, I, I didn't pick the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. My two Super Bowl picks were the Bills and the Packers. And, boy, they both did not show up on week one. But, uh, again, long season. Uh, but yeah. you know, the, I really was tempted to go with the Rams to make the Super Bowl. I like a lot of their weapons, and, and I like their defense. You know, they've they've got uh, the cornerback whose name is Jalen Ramsey, very one of the best in the game, and Aaron Donald up front. Uh, they have good linebacker play. I, I mean, they're they're close to a complete team, in my opinion. This is a you know, this is going to be a tough challenge for Frank and his staff to, to figure out a way to, to slow them down. And I, I think the best way always is to, to find your running game. And you got to get Jonathan Taylor on track. you got to be able to run the football. Certainly would take some of the pressure off of Carson Wentz. He threw the ball 38 times last week. He's not a 40 uh, times per game passer in Philadelphia. Whenever he's thrown the ball over 40 times, he hasn't had a lot of success whether that's his fault or what's around him, you know, the numbers don't bear out that he wins when he throws over 40 times. Now it's a new team. Maybe that trend will reverse, but as of now, you, you got to figure out a way to get that running game going uh, and commit to it. And I know it's not a real popular way to play football these days. People like, you know, the instant offense and, you know, passing down the field and lots of points, but, I think the best way to keep the Rams offense off the field is to, is to control the clock, run the football, figure out a way to get Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines involved more in the run game, even the short passing game, really an extension of the run, uh, you know, the quick throws in rhythm throws uh, out of the backfield. They, they have to find a way to do that uh, more effectively than they did last week. You know, absolutely. And, and, you know, looking, we were talking about the, the, the defense and the, the O-line with the Colts. You know, Eric Fisher very well might be on his way back to be able to play. Uh, so he, he's the left tackle there, certainly very much needed. Quentin Nielsen practice on Sunday, I mean, Friday, 
uh, certainly he had in Thursday is a very, very valuable tool. Darius Leonard, uh, also I had felt like he had a disappointing game in week one. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But if Eric Fisher can, can get back on, on track and get with the team in week two, it will certainly help uh, the, the cause when it comes to uh, when it comes to Quentin, El- uh, Quentin Nelson. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz, yes. One of those days. One of those days, Ed. Hey, but, you know, uh, football starts on Thursday every week now. And, you know, a lot of people thought, well, not a big fan of Thursday night football. Uh, we got Monday night football. You know, it, you know what? Just I didn't even know happened. I'm, I'm going to go off in the weeds here in a minute. Did you see that on ESPN? It's actually kind of cool. Uh, I thought I had the wrong game on with uh, Eli and and Peyton doing a, a back-to-back commentary on each play with the with the Baltimore game uh, on Monday, the Baltimore Ra- Raiders game. Did you see that going on? No, no, I, I did not see any oh, of it's, that. No. It's, it's, I didn't even see them promote it. So they've got Peyton and. Uh, Eli basically in a room together watching football together and just like two brothers would do they talk about the play and they rewind it and so it's live action live commentary talking about the game so it's kind of cool it gets you addicted for about five minutes but you spend about 10 minutes trying to figure out do I have the wrong game on here what's going on here but again I digress but Thursday night Football this year has proved well. I know we're only had that, you know, we've only had two Thursday night games, uh, but I'm going to tell you what the Giants and the Washington team, the team with no name, pulls out a dramatic win against the Giants. What were your thoughts on Thursday night's win against? Well, the W gets a W. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the WFT. Um, uh, you know, listen, they were two good Thursday nighters to start. And, and what, what was one common denominator was three of those teams were NFC East teams. So, you know, everybody says the NFC East stinks, and last year it did, and this year it might too. But you can't beat it for entertainment, I'll tell you that. I mean, the Cowboys took the Bucks to the wire. Uh, the Giants and the and Washington football team went to the wire. Uh, just very, very entertaining games. Uh, my impressions – Look, the Giants should have won that game. I mean, Dexter Lawrence <laughs> jumps off sides on a field goal from 48 yards. I just don't know. You know, it speaks maybe to the discipline of the Giants. You, you can't do that. And he's right over the ball. I mean, that's the first thing you learn from, you know, midget football on up is watch the ball with midget a ball move, you go. You know, and he yeah. jumps, and you know, the Dustin Hopkins misses the field goal, and then he gets another shot from five yards closer, and of course he drills it as you knew he would. Although that ball was kind of leaking to the right, I was wondering if it was going to go through. But uh, listen, that that's just a win that the Giants should have had. Uh, so you know, the Washington Football Team survives. Uh, they're the defending NFC East champs. No team has won the NFC East two years in a row since the Eagles did it in 2003 and four. That's a, that's a long time trend there. So had they gone 0 and 2, they would have been in, I think a world of hurt, but you know, and here the giants at 0 and 2, and I know it's a long year and you're still trying to find your identity, but that's one that could, you know, that could really hurt them as the season goes on when you're 
you know, looking at the wild card stuff, you're looking at the division races. I mean, that's a win they should have had, no doubt. I mean, you know, t- that great interception from James Bradbury in like two minutes left or whatever it was, a little before over two minutes. Uh, you know, Bradbury, the Giants' corner, picks off Tyler Heineke, who just threw a great touchdown pass to Ricky Seals Jones or whatever that guy's name is in the corner of the end zone, and then he throws a terrible pick. Uh, and, and the Giants could only really get a field goal. They probably should have tried to be a little more aggressive there uh, because then Washington gets the ball back, and they just go, all they need is a field goal to win, and you don't have to go very far to get one of those these days with the way these kickers can boot it. So uh, just it was a very entertaining game. That's the bottom line is I, I was really, you know, neither of those teams might be real good, uh, but can't beat the entertainment value. Hey, man, you got to have entertainment. So when yeah. we talk about entertainment, Monday, Monday night's game and the Ravens and the Raiders, I thought yeah. the Raiders played better than I thought they were, but I didn't think that the Ravens played as good as they thought that they were. And then we look at the the, the Raiders are now playing the Steelers. Let's go back last week to uh, the Steelers in the Bills game. I thought the Bills were a much better team than what showed up on Sunday. And I didn't think the Steelers were as good of a team that showed up on Sunday. So we, we kind of have a mystery team, two teams, if you will, the mystery Sunday meet, if you will, or the mystery meet that you found in the school cafeteria. You don't know what the Raiders are and you don't know what the Steelers are based on what we've seen on the label in the last two weeks. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this Raiders-Steelers matchup? The Steelers at, are at home. Yeah, you know, uh, I agree with everything you said um, about the Steelers. I thought the Bills would win that game. And the Raiders, I didn't think they were as good as what they showed. And the Ravens might not be as good as they think. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's a good game. No question. You can never underestimate the Steelers. I'll tell you what. They're just, you know, they're one of those organizations. And with Mike Tomlin that, you know, just when you think they're down and maybe, you know, heading, you know, on a downward, on a decline, uh, they play like they did against the Bills. And, you know, they're home. Uh, again, I think they played at home last week against Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. So another team that comes out of the gate with two home games. And, you know, they took care of business last week. So to me, they're kind of playing with house money here. You know, they can probably split at home, but you want to win your home game. So, I, you know, that was a big win for the Raiders, a big emotional win. You know, they thought they had the the victory there in overtime with the touchdown and they call them down at the one and then they give the ball up. They can't score from there after a motion penalty pushes them back. Uh, I mean, just a lot of twists and turns. So we'll see if they're able to kind of get that emotional uh, level back up there to, to go across country really to play Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, to me, I think it's a big task and, you know, again, Steelers at home, They'll be waving those crazy, terrible towels, which I do not like at all. But they'll be waving them, and they'll be, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a game for the Raiders. I think the Steelers will find a way to win it. But yeah, you're right. The Raiders might be better than everybody thought, and they have to be because you know John Gruden. You know, really, he's one of those hot seat coaches. You know, he's got to win. He's got to get this team to the playoffs, or you know, we, there could be a new coach in Las Vegas next year. Could be, uh, but I don't think he's going to be a, a pauper on Skid Row. Uh, John Gruden, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, yeah, don't don't. Hundred million guaranteed a few years ago, so yeah. it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, he's getting don't. his money, and no matter what happens. But real quickly, let's wrap it up. Put a bowl on. Um, just kind of walk us through what your games maybe you're looking at this week. Uh, obviously, I know you're looking at the 49ers Eagles game, but across the NFL, uh, what are you looking at uh, for a week uh, two of uh, the NFL? 
Well, looking to see how Aaron Rodgers bounces back. I guess that's the Monday night game. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to put the Detroit Lions on Monday night, uh, but, you know, there they are. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think that just think it was Hell Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could have been. I, I, I know he's got a lot of sway. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah so, yeah, Aaron Rodgers bounced back. I want to see how, how that happens. I want to see how the Ravens bounce back. I want to see how the Colts do at home for the second straight week against a really good team in the Rams. I mean, it's a big game. I mean, there's no such thing as a, a must-win game, but it's, it's almost close to a must-win game for the Colts, in my opinion, given how their schedule plays out over the next month. Uh, two home games in a row. If you go 0-2 in that spot, I mean, that's not good. I don't know if they have eight home games or nine home games this year uh, with a new schedule, but, uh, you know, Two, two losses at home, not good, little cause for concern. Uh, and then I want to see if the Eagles are for real. I mean, if they beat the 49ers on Sunday uh, and go to 2-0, and when, you know, a lot of people were predicting them to win like four or five games, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then the Eagles go to Dallas the following week to play Monday night against their division opponents. So that's a game I'm going to be really checking out. I want to see if this is a, the real deal or – you know, maybe they caught lightning in a bottle week one. Uh, so that's that, that, those are some things. Ed Kratz beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Ed, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yeah, find me at eaglemaven.com or on Twitter at Kratz, E-K-R-A-C-Z-E. Uh, you'll find everything uh, I have to say, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> That's right. We'll make sure we get all your stuff up, too, sir. You have yourself a good weekend, and and, uh, I hope the Eagles pull off another win over a a, a huge 49ers team. Yeah, go Colts, right? Yeah, that's right. All right, buddy, we'll talk with you soon. Hey, Kratz, beat writer for Philadelphia High Eagles and Inside.com. Thank you to Tony Donahue with the Tony D Podcast and Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest breaking down the races at Laguna and Bristol Force, and then, of course, breaking down week two in the NFL. And, of course, Hats off to me because I was super awesome handling the college football segment all myself without my team. Uh, All of them had various reasons for not showing up. I'll publicly shame them all, but that's okay. I'm just kidding. Now, follow us on Twitter at T-Balance or on uh, the balance on on Facebook. Um, Also, uh, just if you're listening to us on the podcast, just hit like or subscribe. Uh, That way we know how cool you are and you already know how cool we are. And uh, the more important thing is, even though if you're listening to the live show, the live show is the uh, podcast. So we drop that just as soon as this show ends. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Have a great week. Um, Enjoy yourself. But remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here, deuces.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.